Um, oh, you just want me to say this, yeah? KNFM 107.3. KNFM 107.3. KNFM 107.3. So clever. show, 3 to 6. Got an absolutely wicked show for you today. Gonna have the best of the best. I'll produce a slot. Thank you. 
Resonance, Kane FM. Interview coming up shortly. None other than LTJ Bookham himself and Conrad in the studio. What can I say? Yes, sounds of Kane FM in the studio of LTJ Bookham. How you doing? How you doing, man? You alright? Just about. A bit tired, a bit tired, but hanging in there. You're in Brussels last night, innit? Uh, yeah, Manchester as well the night before, so been kind of been for like two nights strong now. Oh. And we've got to leave here and go in Bournemouth as well, so. Oh, mate, you're playing Club Destiny, that's right, innit? Yeah, you know more than me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I was saying, yeah, there's 200 releases from this man over lots and lots of labels. Uh, we just want to take it right back to sort of the beginning and sort of hear about how music first came into your life. Uh, well, for me, I mean, for buying music, I've been buying music for like 27 years. And um, I suppose it started for me really kind of with just uh, playing the piano and drums and different, different like musical instruments. And that was like when I was sort of 9, 10. So right. That's when I first got my kind of first musical input and you're still keeping that up aren't you well when I can yeah definitely man <laughs> but like it seems to be like more DJing and record label running than uh, yeah, yeah. anything else at the moment you did a bit of trumpet as well at one point didn't you oh now you're getting back a bit man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I can do that now though right so like when you're back in, in like your teenage years obviously you're one of the people that sort of brought drum and bass to us so it wasn't around when you were a teenager just getting into it so what sort of music were you listening to back then Oh, well, back in back in the day when I was kind of first sort of buying tunes, it was like a mixture of like soul and jazz, a lot of reggae, um, and then of course you got into the 80s with like the kind of loose ends, Kenny Burke, that kind of style of soul, right. and then into the hip hop, 80s hip hop, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, the electro thing. Absolutely, man. Everything and go go and yeah, the whole lot. So how come you managed to pick up DJ? Um, DJ come for me when I was sort of like 16, 17, actually. And I was, I've been buying music for like six years. 
to the right ten. And um, but actually, I should explain really why I was buying music when I was ten because I was I had sort of lessons. This, this guy teach me piano, and he was um, basically into like Chick Corea and nice. um, Liston Smith and Bill Evans, and he kind of put me onto those people. And from then on, I started buying music. So when I was like sort of seventeen. Um, and the first kind of parties were coming up for me. People were like, yeah. "Well, Danny, you got all the music, so come and play the music." And kind I of think so. Right, right. From that age, I was I was already behind a deck, supposed to be in, in the party. Is that back when you were running the sound system? That was before then, actually. Right before then. Yeah, that was that was before then, man. The sound system thing kind of came in like sort of '82, '83. Right. Well, wicked. Sort of genre where you sort of DJing when you first started. Soul and jazz, really. Just soul, soul, jazz, and, and hip hop, yeah. Wicked, but you still hear that in pretty much everything. Still no, I mean, it's that kind of music, for me, influenced the whole race of people making music, really, and, and, and where we are now. It's timeless. Absolutely. What was, it like, what was the time when you realised that DJing was actually going to become a career? And it's like, yeah, I can do this. Um, I suppose, sort of, the back end, sort of, 89, 88, 89, I kind of... I was, I remember I was, I was doing a chef's job at the time and kind of doing 60 hours a week there and then like leaving there and getting a DJ and I came back into that and it was, it was getting a bit manic, do you know what I mean? So, so you've always been this hard working man? Yeah man, always man, that's, I've only done graft, that's, I'm a grafter mate, I'm a grafter. <laughs> that's all good. And you did rain, da- rain dance back in 90, didn't you? Yeah, Jen- yeah. Uh, Jenkins Lane. Yeah, yeah, I remember the, um, all the rays back then man, they were amazing times. Was that your first like proper big one there? It was actually the first time, kind of, felt like ten thousand people, and um, legs shaking, and yeah, it was, it was. Uh, I can remember like each tune now. Wicked. You were just, you were just getting into your production about then as well, weren't you? Yeah, I've been um, involved with various bands, playing live, like playing drums and, and keyboards, and I think the first, the first kind of time I went to a studio was with a guy called Paul Waller, and not Well of the Jam. Waller is a guy, is a guy that um, used to like program for Soul to Soul. And um, after, I had a mad meeting with him down a record shop in the West End, and he and basically went back to the studio, and started checking out how he went about making beats, and that was it for me. I was like, I've got to get into this. Wicked, wicked. And like it was, um, it was in 1990. You did Logical Progression, wasn't it? It was actually a track before that as well that I did. Um, oh right. I just got a release called uh, Delightful, and it was um, it's like a white label. I feel like I get your copy. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. It was um, a, couple, a couple of good tracks in there, but a couple of embarrassing ones as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quality. But, like, Logical Progression wasn't wasn't off your own label. That was from Vinyl Mania, wasn't it? That's right. They're, they're, they're um, based in Ealing. And um, Steve, the guy was, yeah, just kind of went and got in touch with him. So he got a tune. Fancy putting it out. It was like, yeah, and that was it. Right, but for all the, like, budding, budding producers out there, what sort of kit were you using when you first started putting together, like, your first tune? Oh man, um, dearie me, an ironing board and a toaster. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, actually, actually, you know what? The, um, the sequencing program that I used back in the day was called uh, C Lab Creator. Uh, yeah. That's that, <laughs> <whoa. laughs> That's right, and I think um, that, that actually went into logic. Oh, right, that started yeah, logic, yeah, did it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Right, see, I'm an SX boy. Yeah, on yeah, the other yeah, side of yeah. So at that time you still had like um but it was like C Lab was the other one kind of thing. And um right. I started on that. It was it was it's hard work though because all the beats them are so out of time and as yeah. you heard from, as you heard from that last tune. It's hard graft, man, back in like old samplers and like Slow machines. Yeah, absolutely. 
1991. Big year. Big year set up, uh, good looking. Demon's Themes, first release on that. What, what, why did you um, think, right, I've got to do a label? Um, well, Demon's Theme, I, I don't know, I did um, Logical Progression that you played there, and then I kind of just thought, I'm interested in what happens just beyond giving a tune to a guy and seeing how much he sells. Right. So I made um, Demon's Theme in like 90 and played it on dub, and I remember like going to Fab and Groove and they were playing it and. And then I just everyone was saying, "When's it coming out?" kind of thing. And I was like, "Well, it's not. It's just a tune for a dub plate and just DJing it out." And I thought, "Hang on a minute. I might as well start my own label and just put it out and get into what I've been talking about a year prior." How long has that been running now? Thirteen years. Yeah, thirteen, fourteen years. Yeah, yeah, long time. And you've got all of these subsidiaries as well, like Deep Rooted, Blue Vinyl, Looking Good, Cooking, uh, all of that sort of thing. Why did you think right spread out? set up all of these other labels spreading them was just kind of to experiment with different styles like deep rooted is kind of my love for house um earth was kind of my love for like jazz and soul and the whole down tempo kind of thing and uh, and new school stuff as well in hip-hop and that kind of stuff so it was just um just kind of not put it all on one label just have a different identity for like different sounds well but like back up to sort of the present day state of things at the moment um, no, it's good. I mean, musically, I think at the moment we're having an amazing period. Because it's like, for me, do you know what I mean? Some of the best tunes that I've heard in years that are, that are coming out now and are around. No, seriously, man, it's like, I'm so enjoying like DJing at the moment. And um, no, it's good. I mean, in terms of business, we all know music's kind of got a lot harder now. It's actually yeah. done. I mean, I remember like, when I started good-looking records, you could drive around the West End and sell 5,000 records at the back of your van. You know what I mean? You're not doing that now, not doing that now, are you? Just have the records. That's it. So, um, I mean, times have changed and we're coming to a new kind of era for how we go about selling music without the internet and that kind of stuff and downloads and... It's an interesting time. Yeah, yeah. Well, how, how are you seeing the internet? Um, Positive? No, it is. I mean, I mean, everyone kind of says like a downside about people stealing music. And yes, I agree, people don't want to buy music anymore they want to download yeah, it yeah, well. I still think there's like a, a core following of, of, of people that actually want the vinyl copy and um, we'll still go and buy that so yeah, I mean, what DJs can do. no exactly so and it's also very good I think for like the whole aim thing now yeah, that I can yeah, I mean, yeah. for me especially and for the guys that travel you can go with your laptops and set up in your hotel room before you go out yeah, DJing and come back and still get your tunes sent to you and that kind of stuff so it's good Quality. And what about what about on um, your stables? You know, what, what the artists. Well, we've um, we got like um, a big track at the moment called Golden Girl, which I play. Uh, um, oh, we want to copy that, don't we? Yeah, can we have a copy of that, mate? <laughs> <laughs> what is pressed? What, what is pressed up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. But uh, but uh, now we've got that, which is done by Comrade and uh, Makoto, and uh, Makoto's also got some amazing tracks at the moment. Nookie's um, supposed to be writing an album, although we haven't heard much recently. Oh, right. Nookie, have we? You know what I mean, mate? Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, and Future Engineers as well were like, um, sort of halfway through an album as yeah, well, which... Um, yeah, we've been playing quite a few sessions the last couple of weeks, definitely. Mm, and we've still got like sessions, albums, and different things, and the yeah, live Yeah, yeah, they're going to keep coming. Yeah, man. Excellent. Yeah. A couple of weeks back, we had a couple of exclusive tracks from, uh, from Blaine. We've got a couple of tunes from him. They're pretty, pretty heavy. Yeah, I know. Since Blame's uh, left good-looking, his style has got, I think, a bit hard, if you like. But um, 
Yeah, yeah, no, but um, no, it's all good, do you know what I mean? Different people, different things, different styles. That's yeah, what makes absolutely. a scene, you know? Absolutely. And what about the future? What's the future? Um, well, just hopefully putting out what we consider to be quality music and um, spreading the word in, in how me and Comrade go DJing around the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and doing our thing. And um, yeah, just basically keep it going. Right, what, what, what are the crowds like in the rest of the world? Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, different people dance to different stuff, to different... Sorry, sure. I'll say it again. Different people dance differently to the same music in different parts of the world. But music's like universal language and people kind of understand it anywhere you go. And you go somewhere where they haven't heard your own bass at all and they yeah. get into it and, and it's, all, it's all good. Right, right. And what, what advice would you give to any producers out there looking to sort of get into the scene? Because like you said, it's getting harder and harder. What can they do Speaking of <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, in the day, to achieve, I think, anything in life, it comes with a certain amount of sacrifice. And if you're prepared to, like, make that sacrifice and actually just, like, just kind of diss everything else and go and do something wholeheartedly, graft. 110%, that's right, you said it, man, the magic word, graft, you're not going to know what can happen. Do you know what I mean? So, there's no definite steps that I think you should take apart from work hard wicked wicked well, that, that and, belie- and believe in what you're doing as well yeah yeah absolutely. belief helps as well gotta have heart excellent well I've got to say a big thank you for coming down and checking us out MC Comrade just sitting back there just chilling yeah I know you get some rest man I get a chat <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm just going to pass over flatline